Chapter 1. October. It had been a bad day. So bad that Dr. Joanna Anderson had eaten her entire emergency stash of dove bars, and it was about to get worse. Joe's day had begun with a fender bender on Van Ness at 8.30. She finally got into the office at quarter after nine. Five minutes after that, the mine's eye operating system crashed while booting up and refused to restart, forcing her to cancel the morning's therapy appointments. That's when she hit the dub bars the first time. At 10.30, Joe determined that the problem was a software issue and that she couldn't fix it. Mind's Eye was her invention, a sophisticated mix of biosensors and algorithms that gave her an unparalleled ability to understand what her patients were thinking and feeling. On a good day, Mind's Eye enabled her to do something very close to reading her patients' minds. On a bad day, it crashed. Today was a very bad day. She knew Mind's Eye better than anyone, but she was a neuropsychologist, not a programmer. So she'd had to call her programmer for an emergency service visit, which would not be cheap. He returned the call at three, from Paris. The earliest he could be back in San Francisco was two days from then, and since he'd be coming back especially for Joe, she would have to pay all his travel expenses. She cleaned out the rest of the dub bars after she got off the phone with him. She spent the rest of the day responding to email and handling paperwork. She left the office at six, feeling a little queasy from a nascent chocolate hangover. As she walked to her car, a man got out of an old Toyota Camry parked next to her Audi. He looked like a cross between a bike messenger and a low-rent security guard. He stepped in front of her. Dr. Joanna Anderson? Yes? He handed her a stack of paper, stepped back, and took a picture of her holding it. Then he got back in the Camry and drove off without saying another word. Joe looked down at what he had handed her. It was a lawsuit. She was being sued for causing the death of one of her patients, Seth Bell. She stood there, rooted to the floor of the parking garage in shock. She knew Seth was dead, of course. The police report was in her files. A jogger had found his body floating in Shadow Cliffs Lake seven months ago. Toxicology tests showed that he'd been both very drunk and abusing multiple drugs at the time of his demise. The police concluded that suicide was the most likely cause of death. So why would anyone blame her? Her knees felt weak and she leaned against her car for support. Hands shaking, she flipped through the legal papers. The first few documents were forms filled with boilerplate legalese. Then she came to something titled Complaint. It laid out the case against her in more or less clear English. Seth Bell's parents had sued her on behalf of his estate. She was allegedly responsible for Seth's death for two reasons. She used dangerous experimental technology, i.e. mind's eye, on Seth, and she failed to identify the clear red flag's warning that Seth would take his own life. As she read, her shock and fear gave way to anger. This was outrageous. The lawyers who wrote this didn't understand psychology, and they especially didn't understand Mind's Eye. It couldn't kill anyone. It was just a tool that helped her see what her patients were thinking and feeling. Not that the truth mattered to the people suing her. Seth's parents doubtless wanted to blame his death on someone other than their son or themselves, so they hired some ambulance chasers to go after Joe. Joe's fingers tightened on the sheaf of papers, crumpling them slightly. After a moment, she brought her emotions to heel. Standing in a parking garage, being mad wouldn't do any good. She needed to think and act rationally. She got in her car and headed home, forcing herself to drive carefully and deliberately. Night gathered around her as she drove. 
The mood of the city shifted subtly as the streets darkened, the professionals went home, and the night people came out. It felt alien and menacing. Or was she just projecting her worries about the Bell lawsuit? She needed a lawyer, of course, a very good one. By the time she arrived at the Bay Bridge toll plaza, she had decided to set three requirements for her attorney. First, she needed a medical malpractice specialist. Second, she needed someone who had tried at least ten cases and never lost one. Third, she needed to see him or her in action. She was not about to rely on Yelp reviews or word of mouth. By eleven that night, she had found six lawyers in the entire Bay Area who met her first two criteria, and only one of those was in a trial now. His name was Mike Webster, and he seemed perfect on paper, with one minor problem. He was a plaintiff's lawyer. He might not want to take a defense case, but that didn't worry her too much. She could be...